My name is Angie Brown and you are listening to the Being Luminary podcast, the podcast where I get into all things diversity, equity and inclusion with luminary guests, a sprinkling of coaching, advice, guidance and the inspiration for you to do things differently in your organisation. If you want to create a luminary place to work, a luminary experience for your clients, your teams, your communities, If you are committed to overleaping compliance and heading straight for luminary approaches to DEI, you are in the right place. You are listening to the Being Luminary podcast, episode number 50. Hello, friends. Welcome back to a teeny tiny episode of the Being Luminary podcast. I wanted to talk about events and opportunities for people to gather together around topics of diversity, equity and inclusion. One of the ways that I enjoy working is to hear people's stories. And so storytelling and having groups of people talk about their experiences of DEI form a big part of the training I do, but also, of course, of the podcast where we invite guests on to talk about how diversity, equity, inclusion matters have influenced the way that they work or the way that they have grown up or the way that they show up in their lives now. And I've been reflecting on a few projects that have been really important to the development of this way of working, this way of holding narratives at the centre of DEI work. and reminded myself of the community project that I ran back in 2021. It was a community project called This Is How We Look When We Lead. And it all started with a couple of coaching conversations that I had been having with women educators who were women of colour. And they revealed to me in the course of those coaching conversations that they felt and were really aware of a, a reality, in fact, that their Afro hair really held them back from showing up authentically in school and potentially compromised their ability to be taken seriously when it came to going for school leadership roles. As a black woman, I had faced those kinds of microaggressions around my, my, my identity. And so these ideas really resonated with me. They resonated so much that I formulated a project around it that explored the intersection of identity, and particularly women's identity and leadership. And using personal stories, we explored a whole range of those intersections. There were personal stories in this community project about people's elbows. In fact, that was my story that somebody had once looked at my elbows, which unless thoroughly moisturised, tend to take on a sort of greyish kind of appearance. And in fact, uh, somebody had said, oh my goodness, your elbows are grey. They're like elephant skin. And um, he hadn't really realised what it meant to look on with horror at the way somebody else's uh, skin looked, for example. So we had stories of elbows, we had stories of Afro hair, we had stories of being um, her suit in all sorts of areas of the body. We had stories of um, everything from weight to uh, shape of our arms to our height all sorts of stories. And it was absolutely fascinating. 
So as I began to think about the microaggressions around my identity, I was able to encourage the women that were writing to also think about some of those microaggressions around their identity. So for me, I had my hair, my gappy teeth, my weight, my height, my skin colour. And those fragments of stories that I had, I recognised were really worthy of further exploration. And so this project came into life. To get the project started, I wrote to women working in education and I asked them to share an essay with me or a snippet of their life story that could reveal the diversity of setbacks and challenges faced by women in our field. And all of the women I wrote to agreed to participate. And this was despite the challenges that were going on at the time of the pandemic and of, you know, trying to continue to work out of school, but in schools. And I received these incredible essays, like absolutely mind-bogglingly brilliant. Some of them just led me to tears. They were rich and they were passionate and they were deep and they were well-written. I mean, it was really incredible. I realised that I had in my possession this beautiful, sad and funny tapestry of women working in education. The narratives intersected. So there were intersectional identities in their narratives, the individual narratives, but those narratives also intersected. They picked up on points made in others. They referenced each other without even knowing it. And they came together to form a collection of just staggering coherence. The project was never meant to be a kind of woe is me project. Instead, it was meant to elucidate the workings of the mind as these women laid bare their thoughts on their identity and whether or not that identity was validated by the outside world in terms of the leadership roles that they were able to take on. And the project was designed to be something that was going to be shared with a much wider community than just the women writing. So I had a community of women who had signed up to write essays, but I also had a growing community of women who wanted to just access these daily essays that were going to be printed every day. So every day I published a piece and I talked about it on social media. And every day that I published a piece, more women joined the project, wanting to become a part of these narratives, wanting to hear about these narratives that also touched on their identities. and. We created a community which was called Nourished Collective, which many of you will recognise as the name, the original name of of my company before being Luminary. And in Nourished Collective, the community on Mighty Networks, we hosted discussions and offered thanks to our fellow authors for talking about the topics that they had talked about. And day by day, in the midst of social distancing, this really rich and warm and close community began to emerge. In fact, people became quite reliant on the essays being published every day. When I sent an essay out later than normal, it was noted, such had the reliance on the cadence been felt. And on other days, when I sent two submissions out in one day, it proved disruptive to the security and the assurance of the rhythm that the project had only in a short few days established. So there was something about this consistency, continuity and sense of real familiarity with the women in the project who were both writers and also witnesses to the writing. And as the project drew to a close, it was never clearer that the search for articulating diversity of experience had been an adventure in forming closer and uh, surer, more unifying stories. 
I don't know that this would have worked had we not been in the grip of the pandemic and had people not been social distancing and not been in their own homes. But there was something about this return to identity, some of those deep stories in those uncertain times that was such a tonic. And I I feel like this piece of work has been a real anchor for the work that we've been developing in Being Luminary, the opportunity to be together, to talk about identity, to shore ourselves up with the familiarity of our own identities in times that are uncertain. And times are going to continue to be uncertain, I think. You know, we always feel like it's disruptive right now, but sometime it's going to be calm in the the future. And I feel like maybe disruption, maybe disorder, maybe some degree of change and, and a little bit of chaos even. It's just the way that we live. But in that, we have the opportunity to cling on to things that are really sure, that are really secure. And there is nothing surer or securer than our own sense of ourselves, because that's what we were born with. We walk with it every day. We hold it. Whether we like it or we want to change it is a different matter. But we all are here with a sense of ourselves. And so I've been looking into the future and trying to work out how I can bring people together to commune around um, identity in really deep ways and meaningful ways, a bit like the community project, but also in ways that continue to be innovative and continue to be inspirational. So I'm quite excited to share with my listeners today that I'm in the midst of planning a diversity, equity, inclusion education summit. And it's going to take place later on in 2023. It's going to be bold and it's going to be fresh and it's going to offer luminary perspectives on the future of DEI work in education. But it is crucially going to bring together educators and thought leaders and innovators who are going to share their insights and experiences, but also offer really tangible approaches to managing and understanding DEI work in our sector, in the education sector. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity for educators to come together and learn from each other. But more importantly, I think the fresh insights are going to be critical because this is a really important field that is changing and needs to change. It cannot just be that we complain bitterly about the inequities that exist. We have to do things with sovereignty and we have to change things. And so this education summit, I'm really hoping, is going to draw people who want to participate in terms of being contributors and also draw people who want to just witness the brilliance, the luminary intelligence of those contributors also. It's going to be a virtual summit. If you are interested in participating either as um, a summit attendee or as somebody who offers a session, then please do reach out to me. We've got a number of incredible speakers who are already confirmed that they that they will be part of this and they represent all sorts of different um, organisations across the sector. So look out for the publicity on this as it drops. Okay, friends, lovely to be with you again today and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Being Luminary podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please do leave us a review. Each month, I will be picking one of our reviewers to get a free laser coaching session as a thank you. And remember, if you know a luminary or an everyday thought leader who would benefit from listening to this podcast or who would love to be featured on the cast, then please do share it with them. This episode was presented by me, Angie Brown. Original music is by Martin Ostwick. 
The series is edited by Big Tent Media and produced by Emily Crosby Media.